Hey there, welcome to The Colour Couch, which is brought to you through Lao Post. Now, if you don't know who Lao Post is, then hold everything. Go check them out. Uh, they're an awesome creative learning platform that's for everything you need to know in this crazy post-production world. Enjoy the podcast. I want to welcome you to another exciting episode of The Colour Couch. Uh, I am your host, Vincent Taylor. I don't know if I have to say that I'm your host, because you probably know that I am already, but I said. Um, and I, I have two really lovely guests today. Uh, I'm doing the crazy thing where I'm recording them both in different locations. Uh, I'm speaking to Tony Osborne, who's in London. Are you in London? I am in London, yeah. Yeah, in, so- in Soho, in the heart of it. In Soho. And I'm talking to Tyler Robinson, who is in New York, but a different part of New York to me. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me, Vincent. Oh, my pleasure. Um, uh, so these two lovely gentlemen uh, uh, have something in common other than um, having to listen to my jokes, and that is that they uh, are both uh, or have both been colour assistants uh, in their lifetime. And I thought it would be really interesting to uh, to chat to them about the facets of being a colorist because I've had quite a few people ask me over the years how you kind of get into being a colorist and uh, do you have to be an assistant and all of that. Um, and I thought it'd be good to chat to them and it would be good to chat to you guys anyway because you're both super interesting. And I had Tyler briefly on one of my episodes, I can't remember which it was, two or three right at the very beginning, because uh, he showed me a little uh, exercise, voice warm-up exercise, which I have never used again because I forget it and I can't, I couldn't do it anyway. But, Tony, if you're up for it, Tyler's going to talk us through uh. our, our, <laughs> our, our warm-up. Go for it, Tyler. Go for it. Tell us how to do it. All right. It's an old vocal warm-up from my choir days when I was younger, but it's meant to help you practice your articulation. And it goes, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, enunciate, articulate, exaggerate. And you say it really fast. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, enunciate, pronunciate. Too much of a brain. <laughs> I rather, I'd rather remember a bunch of color spaces than try and remember that. <laughs> You know, you know what? I, I, I was thinking about that this morning. I thought, what a great way to kick off the podcast. And it's, it's a really terrible way to kick it off. So what, 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 what don't we jump into, um, kind of more formal introductions? Uh, maybe Tony, we could start with you and you could just tell me your background, uh, and, you know, how you, you got into the world of color, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I think I took a bit of a strange kind of route, I suppose, but um, it started from sort of young age of uh, going out and filming my friends skateboarding and then editing that kind of footage together. And this was on Windows Movie Maker at the time. So even just like sort of putting like a sepia look on something and being like, yeah, oh, that looks so sick. It was just like that. That's, that was like where it first started and then sort of went to college and uni after that. And it was just a case of, it was more the edit route at first. And then I walked into a base like grading suite at my first job at Prime Focus when I was a runner. And I remember it so vivid. It was, a, they were working on a, um, on an advert for beer. And it was all looking like it was from sort of like the 60s and it had all these lens flares going on and stuff like that. And uh, 
I, I was literally just like, wow, you do all of that, like, on this desk. And I was just sold by the idea, like, completely. I was just like, okay, right. Well, I need to kind of make my way towards this sort of thing. And they sort of made me go through the edit support route first. Um, and then I was a colour assist for a little while. But then I, I took a step back from that. And then I went to go and actually work at Filmlight. Um, and they gave me the opportunity to sort of learn the grading system there. And then finally going back into post recently and joining 50-50. So, yeah. And, that, and now I'm assisting here. And doing a bit of colour. So it's nice. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That's great. Um, Tyler? <laughs> Mine was a little similar. You know, I didn't do it for skateboarding videos. I was more so trying to do the skateboarding, but I, I never got good at it. <laughs> but um, but um, for me, it, it was a little similar. You know, I, I fell in love with film in high school when I took a film class. And from there, that's when I decided I wanted to study it in college. And I got my actual degree was in animation and motion media. I was ah. kind of, it, yeah, I was actually interested in a lot of things. Like I, I started to study Maya and After Effects and just film editing. And I studied like the whole realm of film production and post pretty much. Um, but yeah, I started working at NPC thinking that I was going to become an animator. But that's kind of when I was introduced to the world of color formerly. Like I, I went into a color suite and kind of had the same experience. That's when I started to fall in love with it. I love the, the social aspect of, of grading and working with the clients in the room with you. And that's kind of what pulled me into the direction of color. And um, yeah. yeah, now I'm an assist, now I'm a color assistant at NPC. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that, there's, there's that moment where you just kind of, well, generally at least, so, something happens, you know, you see something that's done in that suite and you just go, it's like seeing a magic trick or something. I don't know. There's something <laughs> and, and you, and, and, and I think the difference is between people is that some people will see that magic trick and go, wow, that's really fantastic. Wow, that's really cool. And other people go, I want to do that magic trick. Yeah. I want to be that magician, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, what? I'm going to launch straight into this one because it's a nasty question. Uh, what makes a good color assistant? <laughs> you know, I think I think there's different levels. I think there's different levels to that question. I, I, I think you could be super technical and understand like all of the color science side of things and be able to sort of make make a job easier. Whereas I've, I feel like I've kind of gone down a bit of a different route, which is. A lot. I'd like to think that I can help out with certain tools with inside the software to get to a destination maybe faster or explore something a little bit different. So, like trying different avenues, I suppose, is what I'm I'm going down towards. Mm. Which is kind of actually what I did when when I was sort of going through it with you. Actually, I think when I when it was like you 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 wanted to get to a goal, and I was like, well, you you could use this tool to do that, or you could try it with a different operator to kind of get the same-ish result. And, and just a bit of backstory for those who, who don't know. Um, so I, I, I'm currently working on a base light. Uh, and the first time I used base light was, I keep saying 10 years ago, but I think it was even longer than that. And I, and I only worked on it for about 18 months or two years and had a really positive experience. Uh, but then went freelance and, you know, for the last decade or so, I've been using Resolve. So then when I started at MPC and they said, oh, you know, we're, we're on Baselight, da-da-da, I went, 
Okay, cool. I've I've used Baselight. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I I could not remember anything. I couldn't remember anything. You know, players and um and so yeah yeah. So I kind of freaked out, and they said, "Well, well, look, how about, how about you how about you scoot over to Filmlight?" And that's where I met you, Tony, and, and you were you were teaching me kind of uh, how to work the bloody thing. Well, you had it. You had it all there, weren't it? It was just how how do you how do you what tool. What is the same thing, and how can you attack it? Yeah, but I didn't know. I, I I didn't know when my jokes should come, and and that's what you helped me with. When when I should drop the punchline to the joke before or after <laughs> I use the bass light, you know. And, and I just yeah. <laughs> but but what what about you, Tyler? Though back to that nasty question. I mean, what what do you think makes a good color assist? Yeah, I think one of the main things is the ability to problem solve and work quickly, especially on one of those crazy jobs where clients are feeding you prep and you have to keep reconforming and reconforming <laughs> things while the grade's happening. So I think I think the ability to work quickly and utilize your knowledge to be efficient is is definitely a key. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it also, you know, then there are other levels as well, like being able to assist the colorist whenever they need to reach the end goal or the end grade that, that the client likes, I think. And yeah, just mm. utilizing your knowledge. There's a lot of things. It's a lot. Well, yeah. But 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 the reason I keep saying it's a nasty question because it's such. There's so many facets to become uh, a color assistant and a and a colorist. Now, I just I just thought for a moment. I mean, most people who listen to this podcast, they kind of got a glimpse of the industry or they're fully in the industry. But for those of you who don't know. As a when you're color grading, and if you if you've got the luxury to have a color assistant, uh, I mean, when I was freelancing, I didn't. Then it, it's you know you're about to jump into a ten or a twelve hour session, and to have somebody to be able to come and prep that timeline for you, make sure all those references are there, uh, make sure all the resizes of the shots are done, you mm. know, so you can come in with a fresh mind. I remember, I remember, you know, the, the, those days, and I can. It was a while ago now. Actually, I'm lucky lucky enough to say, uh, where I would spend, especially if they were nasty conforms, spend so long conforming, finally get it done just as the client's walking in the room, and your brain is is it, you know, not only do you have to change gear and kind of use a different part of your brain to you know work with clients and and, and the color grade, but for me anyway, especially not being very technical, my brain was exhausted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just ran into a an issue with my current prep I'm working on, and it it has phantom footage. And I feel like the majority of you know assistant editors and color assists they all understand that phantom footage is problematic because of the time code. <laughs> and you know the key that we we ask for to all of our the people we work with is say zero out the the time code so that. It starts on the zero hour, and that way the conform will work correctly um, when you load it in. Otherwise, you'll just have to like match the first frame of picture for every shot, and it, that's kind of what I'm doing now. <laughs> so, like, part of the issue is also knowing when to when to go back to the client and say, "Hey, I need this prep delivered a different way," and then it's juggling: should I do that or should I just? power through what I was given and, and just I match everything myself. And sometimes it is faster than I match, but yeah, it's just a juggling effort. I, it's um, like, I love it when they do a resize where it's uh 
it's like it's been stretched slightly but kind of punched in and then you're sitting there with the x and y axis going i think i've got it i think i've got it and then like you play it for a bit and you're like yeah no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it kills now you me. have to start animating keyframes <laughs> yeah. yeah and i had another well, the thing recently i was like can you deliver a flat file with no no graphics on it whatsoever they, they've taken off the front title but then they've left all of like the emojis on it and i'm just like oh, i don't know if i'm being clear in what i need to ask for now like i'm questioning my own sanity yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, you, 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 you've both raised something that I, that I definitely want to touch on. When you go back to a client, when you say, you know what, the prep that you've given me, is, it needs some help or, you know. But, but a bigger question is, I'm amazed in this day and age, you know, we've, 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 we've been working in this industry a while, most of us have, and yet the prep seems to still be like 80% of the time such a mess. So... For all those people out there listening who are going to give something to a, a color assist or a colorist, um, I'm going to get some 101 uh, advice. Um, so what's, what's one of the first things that you would say to somebody who's going to prep a timeline for color to give to you guys? I mean, it, it depends on what workflow you're going with first, I suppose, because um, of where we do a lot of sort of long, I do a lot of long form. So if I'm AF round tripping something, I would like it to be as flat a file as possible. So in terms of bringing all of the layers down to at least one and two layers, just to keep it tidy. And that's the same for an XML round trip as well. Um, if it's anything where I'm getting like a self-contained ProRes, just strip off all of the effects you can, any kind of LUTs you have on there, uh, all of the graphics, so that as soon as I add a bit of saturation and contrast or, and I'm colour contaminating it, it's not going into the titles and all of the other things that are going on in that kind of effect. Um, that's my advice, I think. Tyler? Yeah, definitely what he said about trying to minimise the, the video layers to just one or two. And, like, there's nothing worse than an AAF file you're given that has, like, 30-plus video layers and <laughs> you have to sort through all of it. Um, so that's one of the things. Um, to me, one of my largest pet peeves I would have to say would be when an assistant editor or or the editor doesn't organize the the footage well in terms of the metadata or like the frame rate of the footage I don't know about you Tony but in during lockdown and when we were working in quarantine we were getting a lot of stock footage jobs oh yeah Uh, and there were plenty of of edits I had to put together that utilized footage that had various frame rates, like five different frame rates. There'll be a 25 FPS, oh. a 30, a 29.7, a 23.98, a 24. Some of it would be interlaced. Some of it would have speed ramps on it. And it's just like, <laughs> if, you're working, if you're working on an edit that is say 23.98, you should try to you know transcode all the footage you're working with to 23.98 before you even start editing. And oftentimes, editors overlook that and then they just throw us prep you know and you try to load in the you try to conform the edl yeah. and nothing lines up properly <laughs> yeah. and ends up just becoming a game of eye matching so that's one of my biggest pet peeves just consolidate your footage organize it and make sure it all has the same metadata yeah and and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna drop this in here and i and i'm i joke around all the time but i'm i'm, I'm sincere about this 
This is far from editor bashing or saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? We want it to be good because we want your project to be good and we want it to be as seamless as possible so we can put that energy into, you know, the grade and, and, and other things like that. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm more than happy if an editor wants to call up and say, hey, is this prep right? What do you need from me? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. In fact, I've done that quite a, quite a bit recently where even being like getting into conversations early doors and even where it's like, even down to filming, it's like I'm getting more into that side of it as well. Like, because it's it's just so important that everything gets sort of picked up and then there's like that that handshake part where like you're like, yeah, right, yeah. okay, we've, we've yeah. all kind of signed off on this, this, this sort of workflow in a sense, I suppose. Um, even down to like with the ProRes 422 or versus a ProRes 444. Um, just silly things like that, which gives you that little bit more for playing around with. And yeah. And, and now you, you fellas both uh, work with Baselight. Um, I don't know how much either of you or both of you have worked with Resolve. But are those kind of guidelines, would they apply to Resolve as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. I mean, it doesn't really matter what software you're using at the end of the day. I mean, clean prep is, is clean prep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, specifically going back to that stock footage thing I mentioned, like it's an issue on Resolve, it's an issue on Baselight and Premiere. Anything you try loading in, it'll be an issue. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I think with with the Resolve, you, the because it's got the edit page, I feel like you have a little bit more flexibility than you would with the Baselight. But now, I mean, if you know how to, this is if you don't really know how to use a Baselight and you're still like kind of figuring it out. Um, if you understand Baselight and its edit functions, then it's, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, you can do, it's more metadata based, I'd say, inside the Baselight compared to the Resolve. So some things are easier than others. I, um, I, I, I noticed, since I've been doing the podcast, I've been taking a little bit more interest in uh, interview techniques and the way that people interview people and stuff like that. And, um, and everyone seems to be quite well prepared and they, and they work through an interview in quite a natural fashion. I don't work like that because I'm quite lazy and I tend to just, <laughs> I tend to just wing it. And which is why my interviews <laughs> jump all over the place. So I'm, so I'm sorry if they jump all over the place. But my, 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 uh, my, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the prefix for explaining why my questions are out of order. Um, uh, what if, if you were going to read like a job description of what a color assist does? What do you think some of those bullet points would be? Uh, that's funny because the amount of times that I've like gone to look for a job description of what we need to do so that I can see if I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. <laughs> 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 and it's normally, you're normally doing more, but um, like I say, it just goes to different types of people for the position, I suppose. Mm. I do think, I do think being an assistant colorist is one of those positions that does vary a, a great deal depending on where you work. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen several job descriptions for it, and it's always, you know, slightly different from office to office. But, but yeah, I mean, I think there are some key things that, that carry over just, like, everywhere. And I think one thing is, you know, be able to conform, like, prep and conform edits for the job be able to organize renders for the delivery. I mean, those are the two basic things. Getting it in and getting it out, basically, right? Yeah, get, get the footage into the colorist, get the footage out out for the client, and then 
there are other factors, you know, like have knowledge of camera formats, have knowledge of, of codecs and resolutions, utilize knowledge of editing techniques, all, all things to, that help um, mm. do your job quickly and efficiently. And I know it's one of the most cliche, annoying job descriptions out there, but just be able to work efficiently. Um, <laughs> you, you can pretty much put that under any job description. It'll, it'll be there, it'll fit, but it's definitely important. It is true. One factor that I that I always find quite interesting is you're dealing, you know, you're working with different colorists, different ways of working, different temperaments, uh, different expectations, with no specific question in mind. You know, just what's that, what's that like? What do you have to be able to do to work with those different colorists? Uh, I guess be understanding sometimes, <laughs> because. I know. I know the colorist has a lot of pressure on certain things. You're direct. You're directly dealing with the client um, in the suite, and sometimes, yeah, it's just sometimes clients are tough. So it goes straight to you, and then it will get filtered down to to us, I suppose. And it's the same throughout post. It's like normally it's the producers uh, uh, kind of dealing with that on the other end of the phone. So again, that ties in and, and that's where we come in and make that sort of seamless, I suppose, because if you, uh, as Tyler said, if you work efficiently, that limits the amount of problems in that end in the suite. So far, you know, I've only really worked for three colorists. Using my experience working with you, I mean, it's been a pleasure, you know, it hasn't really been a huge factor. It's been, it's been nice. I mean, as long as you have a good relationship with them and and you know, they ask you for something and you do it. I mean, I haven't had any issues working with anyone at this point. Maybe it's just my personality. <laughs> I don't well, know. Just, but. Now, now just, just for full transparency for the listener, um, prior to the podcast being recorded, I Venmoed Tyler $60 to make sure that he said that I was lovely <laughs> to work with. Um, I, 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 I think it's best to be on, honest about that uh, from the outset. Um, but, but that being said, Vincent, I mean, you, uh, oh, shit. you do definitely, right. <laughs> that being said, no. Okay, 80 bucks, 80 bucks, I'll give you 80 bucks. <laughs> no. No, you have, I think, I think you build that, you build that trust, don't you, with your assistant? Like, the, as the time goes on, you build the trust, you can, you can hand over more, like, more tasks, um, and eventually you, you end up training your assist to essentially become the color, a colorist at some point, so... It's just like a natural, a natural progression. I think you're right. I, I think it's trust, and I think it's a, it's absolutely a mutual respect. Um, uh, I think I have nothing but kind of, I'm in awe of of what you guys do, I, and I mean that with all my heart. I kind of go, fuck, I'm so glad they're doing that because I would fall <laughs> apart. Um, uh, but yeah, that that trust and that self respect, and uh, and I sometimes think it's 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 like family insofar as, you know. Sometimes there'll be a snippy day or sometimes there'll be this or sometimes you'll drop the ball. But, you know, if it's family, you, you come back out the other side and you go, all right, come on, next day, let's keep going. And, you know, um, I mean, one of the things that, uh, and, you know, this is personality type, but I, I know with every assistant I've worked with, there's always been so much humor, you know. We, we've, we've had so much laughter and, and you know, because we're in that kind of hot, hot seat together. Yeah, you definitely make it easy working with you as a a pleasure and uh you know you always you always know how to smile at the end of the day that's one thing i appreciate about you vincent 
Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that kind of gr- grinning through my teeth. Um, um, <laughs> now, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, th- there might be some people listening who who would like to be a color assist, who would like to come up through those ranks. Where where does someone start? Oh, hmm. that's a good one. I I, I think um, joining as a runner is the best thing I've done, even after university. As soon as I started, I was just like, oh, I feel like I've not wasted time, but like, it was silly because I remember that someone went to me, they're like, oh, can you go grab me a tape from MCR? And I was like, yeah, of course, what, VHS? And they're like, no, it's like a digi beta, beta SP, HD cam, HD cam SR. And I was just like, I didn't even know any of this stuff existed. Like, I've wasted like four <laughs> years and they didn't tell me any of that. But so, <laughs> so just silly little things like that, like, um, I just learned. Yeah, being a runner and then just kind of figuring it out on the like working my way up. And I still, to this day, the whole thing is a journey. Like, yeah. I still mm. look at some of the stuff I work on and I'm like, oh, I hate it. But then I'm also thinking, well, that's because you haven't been doing it that long. This is just another, another stepping stone into getting to the point that you want to be at. Yeah. I, I'm similar to you, Tony. I mean, I, I started as a runner at NPC as well. Um, that's definitely was a great starting point for me just in the in- industry. My uh, next career move after running, though, I, I became a tech operator at MPC, which is essentially just like the machine room. Um, and I feel like that was a great stepping stone for me in terms of, of just learning post-production and the, and the workflow. Because that's why I pretty much learned everything that I use to be a color assist. That's where I learned about file codecs and, and um, frame rates and, you know, delivery specs and... Mm. And the list goes on and on, but that the the stuff that I learned there is definitely, you know, what I utilize the most with my current job. Um, so yeah, the, there's the um, I mean the the obvious benefit, the thing with working with a colorist is that of course that ultimately because of that trust thing you're you're starting to learn things from that person, you're starting to see how they work with clients, the whole thing, and you little bit by little bit, and it's a pandemic. So, you know, up, up until recently, we haven't been in the same room. So I'm just wondering, uh, I mean, Tyler, I can, I can speak to this directly with you. What's that been like, you know, not being in the same room? I think, we, you know, we've had a pretty lucky experience at MPC where we've been able to make it, we've been able to make it work, um, you know, doing remote color sessions from our, from our homes. I mean, I, I feel fortunate that we've been able to make it work. Mm. A lot of people you know, didn't have the same experience as we did. It's definitely been different because, again, I said earlier, like part of the reasons why I fell in love with the idea of joining the color team and and going into that um, profession was the social aspect. Like that was one of the reasons I fell in love with it. So it was definitely a little weird starting to do it from home. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, you know, being able to see clients again in person, being able to see See my coworkers again in person, but you know it hasn't been the worst thing in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because we've been able to we've been able to work. So yeah. What about you, Tony? It's so it's, it's been fun. It's been odd. It's it's been like the the best thing and the shittest thing. Like purely because like yeah, the, I could I, I love the fact that we can like use the technology to do all these like remote like assisting and all of that side of it. But then actually being able to be in the same room as someone and actually feed off of someone's energy and stuff like. You can't really replicate it, but in terms of how like technology has allowed us to do what we've been doing, um, yeah, like props to that. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. 
and even still doing it now like because we've we've got like um we've got like this nhs like app thing here and obviously people are getting pinged left right and center saying they've been in contact with someone so that person then has to isolate for 10 days or however long it is and because we've got that infrastructure in place now they can do that whereas at the very start it was like oh crap we need to pick up a blackboard two and take it home with us <laughs> and get yeah. and get that all wired up at home. So and I, and I and I think I think that's why the as far as I can see anyway that hybrid model is going to remain in place for for quite some time, if not maybe ongoing. You know, because mm. it does allow you to work around the the literal uh, pandemic. But I've noticed also the thing I I quite like. Like I'm working on a film at the moment. Mm. I prefer working on it in the office just because you know it's a it's a beefier machine and the lighting is just perfect and all the rest of it but there's something good about being able to just dust in a few looks at home you know yeah get a bit of a thing going so that hybrid thing seems to work quite well Vincent, i'm curious to hear about your experience grading i i don't know about you but i but i feel like for for a lot of people in our industry um working from home is kind of like turned into a you know, 24 seven job. Oh yeah. You know, people, people realize, Oh, you, you're set up to work at home. Like I'll give you an email at 11 PM. Can you <laughs> do this pick? Can you do this pickup for us for by tomorrow morning when we're delivering? <laughs> um, I feel like working in the office, you know, your, your time is better managed. You know, you see the people in person, you bang out the grade, it's confirmed, locked in, done. And then that's it. And, and, and even if, even if they say, at 10 o'clock at night, oh, actually, we missed the shot. You go, well, well, we'll have to get to it tomorrow. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, uh, I, 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 th- I think f- for me it's um, there's pros and cons in both directions, you know. Uh, yes, you know, sometimes I can end up working so much later at night, but the other side of it is, you know, I've got, I've got two kids and, and sometimes it'll get to that witching hour where it's, you know, it's bath time, it's dinner time, it's da-da-da. And if the job will allow it I can I can just say all right guys I kind of know where we're going with this I'm going to have a break now for a couple hours and I'll get back to that tonight and we'll upload a quick time for you in the morning you know then I can stop go do that stuff with the kids and then Mm. go back finish off and and get that out um that's a positive but but uh Tyler (laughs) Tyler Tyler loves telling this story and I don't blame him uh one of our very early jobs we're working on and uh, we're, we're either setting it up or we're workshopping or something like that. And something happened, didn't it, Tyler, to me? <laughs> yeah, we were on a video chat and um, I was talking to him about this edit I was prepping for him. And I saw pretty much him sprint out of the room because apparently like his kid was screaming. <laughs> Who was it? Was Felix? Or I can't was remember. I can't remember which one it was, but the bloody bookshelf had fallen over, and oh. I heard this almighty <laughs> crash. And from Tyler's point of view, I just pretty much levitated off the chair and just disappeared. In the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's, really funny to watch in hindsight. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, but the, the, but uh, uh, the child was okay. Uh, it was cl- it was close actually, but it was uh, he, he yeah it was Felix I think he was all right. I th- I think the funniest moment was just seeing your eyes just light up like just, like they just got so big, 
And I, I just had no idea what happened. <laughs> you sprinted out right after. Yeah, it's that. Uh, oh. it, it's that. Um, it's not fight or flight, but it's something like that, isn't it? It's like survival. <laughs> <laughs> it's either food being delivered to the door. Well, or... um, my my my. This is a. Uh, Color assistance chat, but I'm still going to tell you my anecdote anyway. My, I think it was my very, very first job at home in the pandemic. And because of the way that it was set up, the modem was right in the other part of the apartment. And one of the engineers said, Oh, look, you, I would really advise you be hardwired rather than trying to go wireless. So I strung this bloody Ethernet cable across the apartment. It was only a small apartment anyway, but across the, you know, through the room, over the bedroom door, into the bedroom. It just reached the back of the computer and I, and I could just close the door. The session kicked off. They said, hey, Vincent, how you doing? I said, yeah, great. And at that exact moment, my then two-year-old, with all her might, pushed open the bedroom door. It pulled the cable. The monitor fell backwards. So I'm kind of grabbing all that. And the client's going, oh, are you, you okay? I'm going, yeah, yeah, all good. All good, all good. Um, well, guys, I, I think uh, it, it's it's so interesting to chat to you and there's a zillion and one other questions. And again, if I was that organized interviewer, I would have uh, reached out to people and say, you know, send in your questions for the colorists. Um, <laughs> but, but what I thought might be nice just to finish off, and the, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but... You know, do you have any final thoughts, uh, you know, in the role of the world of colour or colour assist or just generally any experience that you want to kind of pass on? Um, yeah, I think study as many, I mean, the way I do it is I, I pull stills from films and I pull them into a base light or a resolve and I'll, I'll, study the, I'll study the scopes. I'll look at it and I'll be like, how or what is that doing? And yeah, just kind of go to do a bit of a technical approach to it. And then after that, just I'm trying this. This is a new thing I'm trying, which is just turning the scopes off and then just trying to see where I go with something. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm definitely with you on that, Tony. I, I need to, I know that I need to be um, grading more myself. It'll be easier to answer that question once I become a colorist and I can really look back and see what I did right and what I did wrong. Um, <laughs> I think... It'll definitely be easier then, but but yeah, definitely study and and practice and yeah. Ha, ha, just uh, just one final thing occurred to me. When do you think you're a colorist? What 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 changes from being an assistant to being a colorist? Oh, I'm still looking for that validation. <laughs> I feel I get the I get the imposter syndrome like all the time. I like I've done stuff now, but I'm still looking at it and I'm like, yeah, it's still not as good as anyone else's. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Well, I've got some news for you, mate. <laughs> that feeling doesn't always go away. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much uh, for, for chatting with me. It's, 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 it's really, really great to hear your insights. And uh, Tony, thank you so much. Tyler, thank you so much. I, I'm really, really, really grateful. Well, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having me over.